So here we are for poetry lunch number two. We had so much fun with our first, first poetry lunch. And due to popular demand, here we are back again. And we really thank those of, those of you who have taken the time to follow us. Uh, and so keep following. We hope to do these every two or three weeks. So as we did last time, um, Wes and I will each uh, present a poem. And then we will simply give a little critique, backstory critique, and we'll sort of talk it through. Okay, Wes, what do you got for us today? Are you sure it wasn't unpopular today? Thank <laughs> <laughs> for foisting this upon them. I think we had close to 50 followers, you know, oh, on wow. Spotify. I mean, yes, exactly. There you go. Look out. Okay. Um, this is an old poem that I wrote uh, a couple years ago. It is a little longer than the one I did last week or last time, um, but it's one of my favorite stories. And so I'm still not sure this has been through several revisions, but you said something a long time ago that I really liked, and it was that a poem is never finished. It's merely abandoned. And so I have abandoned this one for a while, and now it's back. So it'll be kind of cool, I think, to see what we think of it this time around. Excellent. All right. It's called Ned. The wind grabbed the little kingfisher and threw him offshore to George's bank, where he landed nearly dead on the freshly painted bow of an offshore dragger. The captain came out, scooped him up, put him in his bunk, fed him sardines and Budweiser, named him Ned. Ned shit everywhere, and back in Portland Harbor, weeks later, the captain showed Ned to his kids and wife. Let's release him, his wife said, and so they did. Ned flew 30 paces, hit his head on the bow rail of a big trawler. He bobbed, stunned and motionless in the pale water. A big black-backed gull swooped down. The first bite broke Ned's neck. With the second, Ned was gone. Wow. I do remember this. This, this is an oldie but goldie, as I recall. Yes. <laughs> so this, that actually happened. Yeah, that was I figured. one of my... Memories from when my family were commercial fishing and it was like a two-week thing of like my dad on the long wave radio saying we got this kingfisher, he'd give us updates. And then like life just hit me, hit us all like a like a ton of bricks. Just like, well, actually it doesn't matter. The short fateful life of Oh Ned. my god. You know, it doesn't matter that he got so lucky to land on the deck and that my dad nursed him back to house. No big black back golf. Just ate them. And all, there it is. All over. Wow. So how big is a kingfisher anyway compared to a gull? It's about the size of this mic, honestly. It's about six inches tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be like, not six inches, sorry, more than that. Um, but that, that they don't get very big. And the blackback gulls, I mean, they're, they're huge. We see them around campus. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to say, every time I look out from Knowlton House and I see a big blackback, I, I think of Ned. And I'm like, ah, never really trusted the seagulls after that. Ferocious. I like like the way your father adopted him, and you really do a nice job personalizing him, personifying him. Um, And I like the way your father nursed him back to health. Uh, It's like a lot of your poems, they're they're narrative and structure, but they're very appealing. And I found myself just being brought right into the world of your father on the dragger and your dad coming out. Um, I, I like this image of your, your dad putting him in his bunk, feeding him <laughs> on sardines and Budweiser. Do you think that's too much? Like, or, or should I should I flesh that out a little bit more? Like what? Or you think that's okay? Um, well, I think that one stanza says a lot because simply the bunk, the sardines, and Budweiser. I mean, your your father as a captain is really befriending him <laughs> just by the mere fact he named him Ned. Um, <laughs> 
And then, of course, Ned shitting everywhere, <laughs> coming back to Portland Harbor, and your father, you know, being patient with him because that's what a, that's what a wild bird's going to do. Um, and it was weeks later, so your father actually was a caretaker for him for, yeah. for weeks, for sure. Um, but his end is so sudden, and I like that little transition stanza, let's release him, his wife said, and they did. <laughs> and then no more. And his his life of freedom after being nursed back is so brief. Thirty paces, boom. Bob stunned, motionless. I like those words, kind of setting that up. The big black back, of course, great alliteration there. Swooped down, broke Ned's neck, and with a second he was gone. So it's, it's kind of a sweet little sentimental poem, but then it has that kind of ruthlessness of nature's cycles, right? Ah. Oh. There it was is. so sad. It was so depressing. <laughs> and there he is. He's he's gone. Does your father still talk about the fate of Ned? Oh yeah, he's a fisherman, so he's got a fairly. Um, he laughs about it now. But I remember going into the cabin and to see the, the there was bird crap everywhere. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And your dad was amazingly patient about oh, it. Oh yeah, love Ned. Wow. Has your dad uh, befriended and taken care of any other birds? Not, not really. Um, he loves animals, and he, he loves all forms of life. So he's, you know. Yeah. yeah. That story being blown offshore, it's a long way offshore. So he was absolutely exhausted to land on that. So from day. Portland, Maine, out to George's Bank. It's a long way. Yeah. Over 100, I think approximately 100 miles, maybe wow. more. So. Well, that'd be really good to rewrite it from Ned's point of view. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll work on that for next Excellent. time. Excellent, great. All right, what do you have today? So a little backstory to this. Uh, this is one that uh, Wes and I looked at before a couple weeks ago. Um, I was okay. on bus duty. Oh, yeah. Last day of Thanksgiving break, and I had the school bus to uh, Providence, to the train station and the airport. And as we head into Providence on the bus, we hit major rush hour traffic, a couple <sighs> of crashes, and we were just sitting in traffic. Yeah. And I've got you know, 12, 14 kids in back of me, most headed for the train and right, some right. for TF Green. And uh, there I was, uh, bored. And as often happens, when I get bored, my imagination really takes hold and starts <laughs> connecting things. And I looked behind me and saw, of course, all the students, the kids in my care, on their phones. Uh -huh. So here it is, simply called Bus Duty. <clears throat> Trapped in a school bus with train-bound students bent to their phones, faces flushed with internet nebulae. They probe for that cool meme, a crush-obsessed text, that, that video game with fellow addicts. We're an expanding galaxy of glowing screen searchers, ghostly ETs phoning home with a signal light years away to connect with the alien beside us. Wow. And that's actually a second take, a revision of a yep. longer version. And one of the comments you made to me was kind of taking out some of the narrative, and I really yeah. compressed it. It's good. I like it. I love the verb vent to their phones because there's a particular way that we human beings use our devices. Um, and I think vent is such a great... It's such a great rigid verb. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it sounds uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't know if unnatural, but, but it has an uncomfortable <clears throat> feel. So that's a great verb for me. That's, that really does a great job. And I love connecting with the alien beside us. 
this unique way that human beings are connecting now where we have this medium between us mm -hmm. of our device. And, and maybe it's different, maybe it's better, maybe it's worse. We probably don't know yet. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really interesting to think about that. And uh, I, love that. I love how you call us aliens. <laughs> That's great. I think it's wonderful. And uh, the, the listeners can't hear this, but he's done a really interesting job using... Um, slashes to delineate the line changes and so there's actually no punctuation in this poem with the other than slashes and um, the period at the end so that's really interesting too and I think it's really effective because it reminds me of the type of um, kind of text speak mm -hmm. that you're referring to uh, well that was I'm glad you picked that up because visually that's what I was after that kind of the way uh, a slash and text speak is often just kind of coming in little chunks and a very abbreviated way yes. of communication. I was trying to express that. The other thing I really love is um, this idea of probing for a cool meme or a crushed, obsessed text or snap because it, it does remind me that the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> you know, all right, yeah, we're using text, but it's the same old game. It's the same old game. <laughs> so that's really good. I like it. I, I like it more condensed. Um, I do too. So yeah, I do too. Yeah, great. And, and with my poems, I'll often start longer, more narrative, and then I'll really try and compress down to yeah. the words that's really essential and right. what it really needs. Um, whereas with your poems, I think so many of them are, are basically narrative and structure and really need that in order right. because they're storytelling and so much of the power and the impact is in how the story grows and the impact of it. Hmm. So, yeah. So there we go. Bus Duty and Ned. Well, maybe next week I will, I'll write from Ned's perspective or try to. I think it'd be a real challenge kind of, it'd be hard. to write from a Kingfisher attitude. It's a good Kingfisher attitude. That kind of reminds me of a trio of poems. I think we've discussed this in past years. Of uh, I have a real um, passion, a love affair with hawks. And yes. a, a number of, I think we've probably looked at some poems um, about hawks, a number of which are written from the point of view of hawks. There's one by Ted Hughes. It's one of my um, favorites. Hawk Roosting, I believe. Ugh. And he simply looks down on the world as he's, you know, from the hawk's perspective. So something along that line. So cool. Exactly. Well, the, there we are. Um, this is, this is going to be it for today's uh, Poetry Lunch number two. And uh, we invite uh, any and all students to contact uh, Mr. Shaput and I. We'd love to have you along as a guest poet. And we're going to go out there and solicit some, some of you we know who are poets. And it would be great to add to this. So that's it for today. And if you're a poet, keep writing. And if you're not a poet... Uh, just try and reach out for a poem for the day. If you need any ideas, see Mr. Shaput and I. We've got lots of them. Yes, we do. So Can't promise they're any good, but we've got, <laughs> we've got lots of ideas. Thank you very much, and take care. Bye.